Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. So today I'm speaking with Mike Slowick. Uh, uh, Mike's uh, been a friend of mine for, gosh, about 30 years and just a quality individual. But his story is so amazing, starting with as a 15 year old starting these bike trips, bicycle trips. Uh, where he went uh, when he was 20 years old, when he just got out of community college, he rode his bike from Chicago to Portland, Oregon, uh, and uh, in a month to get ready for school. Uh, I didn't even not know that story before the before um, you know recently, and now he tells that story. It's a great story. But also, I, I wanted to talk to him about how he's handled the pandemic, and you will be very impressed with how this. This great guy has handled the pandemic. We talk about uh, a number of things, personal life. Uh, we talk about ageism in hiring. We talk about uh, landing that perfect job and how to do that. And we talk about different ideas of how to handle stress. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, and I hope I'll see you down the bend. Hey, I'm very excited today to uh, interview one of the role models in my life, uh, a really great guy, Mike Slowick. Let me tell you why. So I met Mike over 20 years ago. We went to the same uh, university, University of Portland in Portland, Oregon. Well, yeah, we're in Chicago. So how did that happen? Well, uh, Mike grew up around here. Uh, I got married to a gal who convinced me that Chicago was halfway between uh, Notre Dame and Washington State. She's a really good lawyer. And so I ended up here. And so I've been here for, for gosh, since 1992. So 21 plus nine is 30, 31 years. Well, that's a long time. Anyway, um, so uh, I met Mike uh, after I got here. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I really like about Mike is his attitude about how he handles things. And so I wanted to touch base with him. Uh, you know, we went through a pandemic this last year. It's almost a year from today that things started closing and things started slowing down the economy, everything started slowing down. And uh, so I wanted to touch base with Mike um, about how he reacted to that. And I wanted, I think it'd be good for our listeners to listen to, to this as well. So Mike, uh, welcome to the show. Joe, pleasure to be here. So, Mike, uh, before we get going, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your upbringing, uh, where you're from, uh, you know, how you ended up where you're at today? Um, it's a pretty wild story. How much time do we have? No. Um, I am actually the ninth of 12 kids. So I grew up in um, countryside Illinois. We had uh, four, maybe five bedrooms. So it uh, got me used to being able to deal with controlled chaos. You know, and I'm in IT, so it works out great as well as being uh, working independent, you know, because mommy and daddy weren't there to do anything for you. So you had to uh, grow up early and fast. I learned to eat fast, too, because if you didn't eat fast, when you got done what was on your plate, what was on the other person's plate was fair game. 
And I've got uh, six brothers, and most of them play hockey. So, yeah, my dad asked me, why are you so damn competitive? Dad, seriously? So, yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah grew, grew up here in the Chicago area. Um, I went out to school in Oregon because it was as far away from mom and dad as I could get before I hit uh, water. Um, did a lot of bicycling. So I bicycled through all 50 states, including from Chicago up to uh, Portland, and uh, ended up back here in Chicago because I love the winters, right? <laughs> now nah, the family's here and so forth. And then, yeah, I settled down, uh, met a great woman, and uh, yeah, two kids, and uh, 31 years later, here we are. So you bicycled from Chicago to Oregon? Yes, it's, I had never been to uh, Oregon before, never been in University of Portland. You talk about taking a risk, sir. Um, and by the way, the boys in our family had to pay for not only their own college, but their own high school. So I had taken all my precious dollars and invested in the port, you know, Portland before I even went there, jumped on my bicycle. And a month later, I showed up there. And obviously, you know, the Lord was with me and it worked out great. Hold on a second. You, uh, you rode your bicycle to college from Chicago? That's correct. So how did that all work? I, this is this may be a whole podcast in its own here. <laughs> You're 18 years old. Where'd you high school, by uh, the way? Well, 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 I went to, to LT. I, it, you know, in between there, I went to college of DuPage for two years. Okay, so you went to LT. All right, so you're 20 years old, whatever, 20, 21 years old. And then you tell your, you tell your parents, hey, listen, um, you don't, I don't need to fly out there. You don't need to ride. I'm, I'm going to ride my bike out there? C c correct. I mean, I, again, I had to pay for everything myself. I couldn't afford a car um, or anything like that. And it was uh, a lot cheaper to just ride your bicycle. So I jumped on my bike and uh, headed west and go west, young man. And there I was. How long did it take you to get there? It, it took me uh, it took me about 30 days. I showed up on the Friday of Labor Day weekend. The dorms weren't going to open until Monday. And it was kind of funny because I walked into the um, uh, West Hall to register and the assistant dean, Rose, Mrs. Rose, she took one look at me and she just shook her head and she goes, oh, my God, I hadn't taken a shower in a week. And I had a beard. I was scraggly. She goes, oh, no. But she, she couldn't have been nicer. She got me all registered, got me all set to go. And she goes, I'm sorry, the dorms aren't open. I can't let you in. That's fine. I just kept going, rode out to Cannon Beach, jumped in the ocean, took a shower, and life was good again. <laughs> you So you, got, you then rode to Cannon Beach after that? Yes. Yes. That's a good 90 miles, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I stayed, I got most of the way there. I then I can't, you know, like the whole time I camped out on the side of the road, I just throw my tent out there. And then I, I got there <laughs> in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had a tent on your back or what? Tell me the whole, I no. so back then, that, that must have been, that must have been early 80s, right? Oh, uh, 1979. So in 79, bicycles sucked by then, back then. I mean, they were not good. No, and that, that, by the way, that was not my first rodeo, first bike trip by any stretch of imagination. When I just first graduated from uh, high school, rode from Chicago to Maine down to Delaware and back. And then when I was 17, uh, my first long trip was from Denver back to Chicago. Took a train out there and then rode back with my buddy Russell. So, um, so yeah. And then to, to kind of finish the story, my whole goal was to ride my bicycle through all 50 states before I turned 30. And I missed it by four months. But, uh, yeah. So, so then, um, did you break down at all on the oh, way there? So oh, how, yeah, how, the how, how, does that, how does that work out? Uh, you go with the flow, baby. You know, kind of the whole topic of our conversation today is, is you got to be optimist. You got to have that, look, I'm going to get through there no matter what. Like, for example, on the way to Oregon, 
I was if you're familiar with Idaho at all, because you you know you spent time in Washington State, so I don't know if you went east over to Montana and Idaho. There's a little pass called Lost uh, Lost Trail Pass. It's called so because Lewis and Clark got lost trying to go on up this darn thing. Bitterroot Mountains are nasty. So anyway, so I'm I'm going up this 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 uh, hill, and it's getting late on this you know beautiful you know Saturday evening. Little kitty cat came out of the woods, a mountain lion, and he was like between me and I don't know like ten yards away. And he turned around, looked at me, and I looked at him. I don't know who was more scared, me or the cat, but I'm like, dude, I'm going that way to Oregon, and I'm going right through your butt, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so so you saw a mountain lion, and you kept going? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was kind of funny because the deal was with my parents, they let me go and do these kind of trips. The deal was every Saturday night, uh, you, you had to call home, okay? And you got to keep in mind, this is 40 well, long, actually. My first trip was in 74, so long time, long before cell phones or anything like that, we had something called pay phones. <laughs> had to call collect. And those, those calls were quick. Okay. Where are you at now? Okay. So I'm about seven, 800 miles down the road. Okay. And I told my dad about the mountain line. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the way, when you get to this thing called the gorge, you're going to run into a little bit of a wind. <laughs> so if you've ever known the Columbia gorge, when you get there, that got that strong wind coming out and after, you know, 2000, 3000 miles, I went off. But anyways, yeah, so I so I, I grew up in Yakima, Washington, which is uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, east of Seattle, about two and a half hours. And then when, when my grandparents lived in Portland, Oregon. And yeah. what's one of the reasons why I ended up at, at Portland is, you know, I had some family down there. Um, but um, we would go through the Columbia Gorge uh, on our way there. You know, we, we'd go through Goldendale and down into the gorge and then go along the Oregon side. And there's probably nowhere more beautiful in the world than the, the Columbia River Gorge. Um, they've, it's, nobody builds on it. Um, I think it's preserved and it's, you know, the Columbia River separates Oregon and Washington, that's where it is. But there is a wind. I mean, there's a reason why it's the windsurfer <laughs> capital of the world now. I don't know if there, was there windsurfers back then? Yeah, yeah, they just is like I said, late late seventies. But and but by the way, when I finally got out to Oregon, uh, and of course, you know, you know, eastern Washington, eastern Oregon, it, it's hotter than heck. Two thirds of Oregon was desert. I did not know that. And I yes. get there, and I'm seeing all these beautiful brochures, how green, and it's brown. It's a hundred degrees. It's hotter than hell. And I'm like, have I been sold a bill of goods or what's going on? So I so I did what anybody did. I pulled into a tavern uh, to get a, a beverage or two. Uh, keep in mind, back then, the drinking age in Illinois was 19 for beer and wine. And he looked at me and he goes, can I see an idea? And I just, give me the, give me the flipping beer, pal. <laughs> and they did. Because you know, I didn't know Oregon was 21. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I needed a beer at that point. Were you 21? No, I was 20. I, was 20. <laughs> I never got carded the whole time I was in Oregon because I had a beard. You know, even, oh, really? even my Angel Oktoberfest, you know, any of the other bars or any of that other stuff. Nope, never got carded. I never had a false idea or anything like that. You know, they're not going to serve me? Okay. So, anyways, wow! I cannot imagine uh, that going down nowadays. Somebody just getting on a bike and going from Chicago to Portland. Or, you know, listen, I'm I got six kids. You got two, right? Yep. Um, and I gotta admit, I I think I you know I worry about them too much. You know what I mean? I and they got cell phones. You know, they're tethered uh -huh. to the cell phone. I I and I. It, it's kind of hard for me to imagine. I guess, you know, I'm just kind of the same way. I'm, I'm number nine of 10. You got me beat oh, by two, but um, I guess I did go on some, some trips by myself 
but never like that. That's that. That's a great story. So, I mean, weren't you cold at nighttime? Oh, well, a, a, a cold. I, I think the you know the warmest I ever got was bicycling across the Mojave Desert in August. I do not recommend that. All right, because because you know when I was on the West Coast, I, after I left Oregon and went down to California for a year to meet one of my brothers, he had moved out when I was young, so I never got to know him. So I spent about a year with him, and then then I bicycled back. Um, so yeah, it was like a hundred and I don't know seven or eight in the shade there. And then the coldest, I think, you know, there are times up in the mountains, up to Alaska, you get well below freezing. So yeah, you you you, you again, you got to learn to be adaptable and flexible and so forth. So and I bet you learn how to fix a bike too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. And again, Joe, you, you've got to be optimistic. You, you've got to be resilient. You've got to be, um, you've got to go with the flow. You've got to learn how to get along with people because when you're on a bicycle, you're extremely vulnerable. And I got to admit, you know, I, I've met Americans and people all over, you know, from coast to coast and they, people could not be nicer helping me, telling me, no, don't go that way, go this way. And a lot of people would put me up for the night unsolicited. No, no, you're not going anywhere. Well, a quick story. When I finally got up to the Alaskan border, um, you know, this is obviously 1989. Uh, there was one guard. <laughs> okay. And, and I noticed his license plate was Alaska Cubs. And I go, oh, yeah, you must be in the Bears and so forth. But he goes, no, 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 no. My name is Patrick. I'm from this town called Evanston, Illinois. I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. I go, oh my God, I can't get away from you people here. But anyways, and he goes, your riding day is done because you're staying with me. I've got this French couple, they need some help fixing the bike or whatever. Put me up at his house to the whole, fed me the whole night. I mean, and you can, I, I can rinse and repeat that story throughout the country. So it gives me, gives me a lot of optimism about this country. And looking back at last year with all the crazy stuff going on, that's not the kind of people I know. Mm-mm. Even to this day, I mean, you know, and I, I think I shared with you a, a lot of the walking I've been doing recently. People are just awesome. I, I don't know the news, what's going on there, but those aren't the people I know as Americans. Yeah, you know, um, I often tell uh, my kids and a lot of my friends, I said, I, I wish that you saw the world through my mother's eyes. So my, my mother, uh, you know, uh, Joanne um, was or is a saint in my, my book. She's like a St. Monica because I was kind of a Augustine type character for a long time and still am a little bit, you know, vain. Ah. That type of thing. Any, any event, anyway, um, early Augustine, not late Augustine. I just want to make sure that I'm early. <laughs> the other guy is he's untouchable. Anyway, um, so she saw when, when she would uh, meet people, uh, she would find the good in everybody, you know, just like, and, you know, I, you know, for some people, it's a hard search. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, but she'd find that spec or whatever. And, and so uh, that's, that's good to hear that you, that, you know, uh, people think like that, that, uh, you know, they, you know, instantly help people out and that type of thing. I like that. I really like that a lot. So listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got fascinated with that story. I, I'm still, I'm one day we're going to talk, you know, just do that together, uh, that story. Cause I love it. Cause I, I just can't imagine like tires, blow you know coming blown off and and you need a new tire and you're in the middle of the desert or you're middle of the mountains what are you going to do or you get blown over by a semi you know yeah. all these things i mean i to me it's like or you know what really would freak me out is like the gear thing you know all the gears messed up and you needed to get the the uh the bike repaired i mean did that, none of that happen huh 
Oh, it happened all the time. The, the worst part was on the um, Alaskan Highway. I was 700 miles from the next um, uh, bike shop in uh, Whitehorse um, up there, uh, population 10,000, a metropolis. And I had uh, one last leaky inner tube. I had blown three tires in one day. And I'm like, okay, you know what that's called, Joe? That's called faith. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, my first bike trip, I was 15 years old. So, yeah. 15? Yes, one five. 15 years it, old, first overnight bike trip. And it was a solo? No, I had uh, my buddy Marty with me. We rode from LaGrange out to DeKalb and back. Okay. Uh, spent overnight in Douglas Hall at Northern Illinois and drank Tennessee moonshine. Another story. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, listen. Now, um, so one of the things, now you guys, now you listeners are understanding why this guy is one of my role models. I did not even know that story because he never told me, but now I'm pissed because he didn't tell me that story because I could have prepared a little bit before it. But anyway, I do want to talk about, you know, a, the last year. So, um, some, you know, some of you may know from, from the podcast, I've, I've done about 65 podcasts uh, to, in the last year. And it's been great to, to meet all these great people and hear their stories about what, you know, what, what, uh, their unbelievable lives and, and those types of things. Um, you probably know, um, uh, if you've listened to this, that, that we as a law firm and, um, is we, we basically made a decision that we weren't going to lay anybody off and that we were going to double down on our work ethic. And there was, we just were going to make it through. We didn't know how long this was going to last. Um, so we're doing this, this podcast, um, in early March and, the vaccination is, is being spread out. Um, more and more people are getting it and it seems like it's opening up a little bit, but you know what? I've, I've not, I'm making the decisions not to make any assumptions that things are going to happen smoothly. Anyway, I want to hear your story, Mike, about what, how you handled all of this. So let's go back. It's March of 2020. What are you doing? <laughs> um, getting through nine days of hell. Um, in my story, Joe, you can rinse and repeat it, not just here in the U.S., but across the, the world. It, it, you know, and everybody, and they probably should um, document this, not, not just for yourself, you know, when you are sitting around and you're 90 years old and you want to relive some of those uh, days, but for future generations. So maybe we can call this lessons of the pandemic, because if you recall, when my grandparents, like, were in their late 20s, was 1918. And um, if you ever get a chance, um, American Experience did a great story uh, or a great uh, session, uh, um, uh, a program uh, 20 years ago on the pandemic of 1918. One of the things that came out of that, when it was done, baby, they forgot all about it and put it aside. Ooh, gee, I wish we had some of those lessons because I think we could have saved a lot, ourselves a lot of the grief. So anyways, um, when bad things happen, they, they happen, I don't know, for a reason or whatever. I'm not going to go there. But um, take those lessons and learn from them and save them for future generations. So I, I guess with my story, it started March 9th at 3.30 in the afternoon that Monday. We had to say goodbye to our dog after 14 years. Boy, that was fun. Uh, March 11th, uh, last I was at the Hawks game, last uh, public sporting event here in Chicago. Uh, and then second period, NBA announced they were shutting down. And boy, that, that, that party ended. So that was the last time I was in any kind of big social gathering here in Chicago. Uh, Thursday, March 12th, um, last time in the office, seeing the boss and a lot of uh, colleagues. Also, uh, last time helping out inside at the local food pantry, you know. 
uh, Sunday, uh, March 19th or 15th, last time at uh, going to church um, in person with my wife, you know, because they shut down March 16th, uh, last time swimming and, and seeing people I'd, I'd known for, you know, been with for 30, 35 years. And then uh, finally ended up on March 18th at 7.35 in the morning out of the blue. Mike, we got to let you go. Boom, 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 boom. And so at that point, you're just like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? So unless you have a strong base, a strong resilience, a, a tough skin, look out. You, you're going you're gonna to melt. Uh, but you got to have faith in yourself, faith in, of course, in God, in, in your family, in your friends. And, and you get through this. Is it going to be fun? No. Nobody asked for this. But, you know, um, this, this is where you, the road meets the rubber, you know, and you find out who your true friends are and everybody pulls together. It was scary. I mean, we didn't know what was going on with this thing. The virus? Where's that? That's in China. That's somewhere else. But when that woman came back from visiting her father and she got sick and died and her husband got sick and died and they were right here, you know, in Chinatown in Chicago, we go, oh, oh. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And when that NBA player was diagnosed positive, we all took a, uh oh. And then, you know, and then everybody knows what, what happened in them, you know, with their so, story. So March, so March was 18th, you, uh, your, your job ended? Me, me and the tens of millions of other people across the country, or at least here in the States. Yep. Right. So tell, tell me a bit about your business. Who were you working for at the time? Uh, I was working for a big technology company out of Texas, um, you know, and they ultimately they did a workforce reduction. So I just got caught up with, you know, they did about, I don't know, 10% of the popula- or their, their employees. So ultimately there were 10 to 15,000 people globally that got let go. Um, and it was kind of interesting. I did to talk to them. I said, you know, there's a pandemic going on. They go, yeah. You know, so it was like being tossed over, uh, you know, overboard during uh, rough seas. But, okay, uh, you, you better learn how to swim pretty quick. So ten, you and 10,000 of your friends get, were told, hey, listen, uh, you've been terrific. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you do with that company? What, tell me a little bit about your, your tenure with that company. Oh, it was great. Six and a half years. Um, uh, and I have no bitterness towards them whatsoever. Um, for, for, you know, and, and I'm sure, again, my stories can be rinsed and repeated with a lot of folks. Don't don't be bitter with former employers because that's only going to hurt you, not them. Um, they probably forgot about who I was within 20 minutes after it was done, moved on. No, that wasn't the case. I stay in touch with a lot of them. In fact, I just got off the phone with a former colleague of mine there, you know, because they're good, good people. It, it just was one of those, you know, things that happened. Okay, you know, and I, you know, again, you don't really want to dwell upon it. You want to be positive. Look, I, I got my goals. I know what I want to be when I grow up. You know, and and you know, looking for um, a job is a whole nother session on this, or several of them. But yeah, you just got to know how to, you know, have to have confidence in yourself that you're going to get through this. You know, the looking for a job during the pandemic, uh, as well as getting through this. If if you don't have the faith, you don't have the uh, people behind you to support you. I, I don't know how people could do this. You, you look what's, at your, what's your, what, what is your location? What's your, what do you do for, for a living? Are you a sales guy? Are you a, yes. a, Correct. I'm, a, I'm, a IT, yep, I'm an IT sales rep. I'm typically, I'm, I'm a hunter, if you will. It's, it's called somebody to go out and get net new logos, you know, on the fortune 1000 kind of class accounts, go in there. Uh, and then what we call land and expand, open up the relationship, uh, to build the trust, um, figure out problems that they have, solve a couple of those problems, and then kind of grow it from there, expand into other lines of business and so forth. So really just, just getting things going within companies, you know, are selling technology, complex technologies to make them, you know, operate better. So it's a relationship business, huh? 
Of, of course. Yep. I don't, you know, it's kind of an overstatement uh, or people hate that, but, but it is, it's a relationship, it's trust, it's honest, it's been delivering more than what you promised, doing what you say you're going to do, getting along with people, collaborating, don't be that smart guy, I know everything, no, you don't know nothing because, you know, it's changing so fast, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, you know, I, um, I always tell people uh, that the most important person in a company is a sales guy, just because there's no sales, there's no, no work, so so, um, you know, and, and, you know, people think that's, you know, some, you know, people, I guess, not understanding the, the intricacies of it all, you know, buy low, sell high, you know, hey, listen, that sounds pretty easy. What, why isn't selling easy? Why isn't it easy? Yeah. Why isn't it easy? Um, well, my mother, who's a retired college professor, uh, taught nursing for many years at Lewis. She asked me, she, she just can't figure out what I do. Michael, what do you do all day? Mom, I answer emails and I herd cats all day. What do you sell? I sell change. I sell because right now people, humans are used to doing, even if they hate what they're doing, okay, the devil you know type of deal. So I'm used to doing it this way. I come in there and I said, man, but there's a, a much better way to do this. You know, a quick, quick story. Back at um, your beloved Notre Dame, one of my good customers was this outfit called First Source Bank. And uh, this was years ago. They would, uh, we had a cash counting system, you know, uh, this thing called a PC tied to some machines that would phys- count the physical cash. And then they would do is um, they would hire mainly retirees to sit in the basement and count cash, including the football receipts from Notre Dame. And b- back in the end, a million bucks was a lot of money in cash. And these poor people would get the carpal tunnel syndrome, counting this money all the time. And then I, Mikey shows up from Chicago with this fancy computer system, and, which they had never seen before. And they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, it took about three months. Calm down. Look, the only two things you can't do, number one, don't spill coffee on it. And number two, don't lose the money. All right. So after about three months, these retirees got pretty good at it. And so the president of the bank come down and see, OK, well, what happened? Did I get my money's worth out of them? And they said, look. I'll work overtime on Saturday as long as I can use this machine because they got that comfortable with it and they got it. So anyways, but it, it, it takes time. So when I sell the change, you just don't walk in there and say, may I please have a million dollar order or a $10 million order? No, no. You start small, build up the trust, show them how that you're there for real, that you're there to help them. And then the other stuff ultimately begins to fall in line. What type of different um, stuff have you sold in your career, Michael? Hmm. It's always been on IT, but, you know, uh, cash counting systems, I did that for a long time, POS. And then ultimately, I got into software, SaaS, um, security, um, monitoring. Uh, that was pretty cool. I got to travel the globe. So sales can be a lot of fun, make a lot of money. And then uh, ultimately, I worked for a big, like I said, a big computer company out of uh, Austin, selling a wide range of security, SaaS, um, PCs, data center, cloud, the whole nine yards. That was awesome. What does SaaS mean? A software as a service, uh, oh, okay. something that's up and coming. So you, you want to pr- um, um, protect your precious capital expenditure dollars. Look, I, I can't put forth, you know, a million bucks for the solution, but I could pay X amount of dollars per month for something like this. And so they, they offer it to you that way. So it works. Out. Plus, I don't have to worry about building the data center, keeping it up to date, hiring people. No, no, no. Joe, you, you take care of all that for me. So you get a license from a company to, to use their product to, to solve your problems, basically. They're very, very common, much more so. Uh, Microsoft, for example, um, uh, Office 365, it, it's all out there in this thing called the cloud. I just pay a monthly fee, 
and they worry about all that stuff for me. Works right. out great for my friends. Good, good. So let's let's go back to uh, a year ago. So um, all of this goes down. You know, I'm, yeah. by the way, sorry about your dog. Uh, yeah, that's been the worst part of it. Unless you're a, a, a pet owner, they have no clue what they're talking about. Yep. Tell me about your dog. Tell me about the life of the dog. Oh, it's a beautiful little Wheaton Terrier. The damn thing uh, had his little paw wrapped around her. My wife and I, you know, and the kids. Oh, it was great. You know, take him out for, for walks. Love the damn cold. I remember it was 22 below zero. We had him outside. After about 45 minutes, you want to come in, fight up? Nah, no, nah, I'm good. And because, by the way, is this the worst you got? Come on. So, yeah, you know how it is with dogs. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So, um, all right. So, so you're, it's March 18th. The, the pandemic has hit. It hit us. And so now you're told, hey, listen, uh, it's been nice to, nice to, to know you. So then tell me your response. Tell me how you organize your response. I, um, well, first thing I tried to do was take a nap, you know, just to process it all. And, uh, you know, so I laid down for a couple hours and then I got up and I started writing. I started writing. My dad was a mechanical engineer, very well organized or whatever. Started to write. Okay. I've got about two and a half weeks left with this gig where I'm at now. I got a lot of critical things I got to close because at five o'clock on that Friday, that uh, last Friday in March, that door is going to shut. So I got to get all this stuff done before then. So I put, all, uh, there were three columns. First column is what do I got to do with that current employer. Second column is what do I got to do to find the next opportunity? You know, list out all this stuff. Just so started filling it in, baby. And as time went, in fact, I'm still adjusting it a year later, putting the things. Third column was personal stuff. What do I got to do? you know, with personal. And a lot of this stuff is like, you know, people have been doing like that. I understand a lot of people, their house has never looked this good in 30 years because they're all home and they're working on it. So a lot of that kind of stuff. So first thing, first and foremost, I, I get a lot more comfortable, calms me down. If I write things down, then I don't have to freak out. Then I can um, organize, which is the most important, what I got to do now, which I can put off to the side of the whole nine yards. So that's, that, that's the first thing I did. All right, so you, 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 you organize your thoughts. So instead of them dancing around your head or up in the clouds, you're a guy that puts it in, in black and white so that you can look at what you need to do and hopefully move from thought to implementation. Exactly. Um, and, and, and here it is right here. I got it written out. It's called Operation Fresh Start, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, so, well, for the first page here, too, is, is what are my goals? What are my objectives? You know, before you go from no, on the bike, jumping back to the bike trip, I want to get the, where am I going to go? Um, I want to get to Portland. When do I want to get there? Before school starts. <laughs> yeah. How am I going to get there? So I have all my goals listed out in here. I remind me some some key things. Hey, look, the world's not coming to an end. I'm going to make this a new sabbatical in the whole nine yards. And then he, here is the um, the different columns. Of the wow. things that I had out there, and the ones in red are the ones that I still had open. And then I'm I'm one of those guys that free, that really get a high, believe it or not. If I get something done, um, I check the mark off. You know what I what I got going. In fact, I already did what I'm what I got planned for this weekend, both um, career wise at home and then personal stuff. So yeah, you, you gotta you gotta be organized in your life. Wow, that's that's uh, gosh, I I feel so inadequate at this point, moment, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to feel it more that way. A little bit. I got a little more of that coming my way, I bet. All right. So, so then you, so you basically, you didn't neglect the personal, which I think is pretty cool. I think, you, you know, the personal side, 
you know, what, what I tell folks a lot of times is that um, the way I kind of handle things is I kind of need to work inside out. So um, I have to know who I am and get my fuel in order to move outwards towards things. So, I, you know, for me, um, you know, a lot of people understand this is that, you know, um, I've come to understand that, you know, my faith is kind of a, you know, a huge thing with me. So um, I need to get that in order. And so, um, you know, one of the things I did in this pandemic is uh, a couple of my friends in our parish, our, our parish closed. I remember it was uh, March 19th, you know, uh, St. Joseph's day. And it's kind of a big day for my mom. She, she always celebrated our feast days like they were our birthdays. And so I always got a cake on March 19th, which I thought was a pretty good deal. Um, and side note, my, my son, Johnny, has got about 300 feast days. Yet, you know, yesterday was St. John Ogilvy. He, he just, you know, he'll come, you know, come from school sometimes and say, is it my feast day today, Daddy? I said, hey, you got to take me to, you know, McDonald's. You take me to Dairy Queen, whatever. I'm like, the kid's going to be, you know, 300 pounds. I mean, uh, I, I got to really work on him. But um, in any event, I think that you need to work work that way first. And, you know, so for me, the, the faith part of it, a couple of people in my parish got together and we said, uh, hey, why don't we um, get together on Zoom and we can pray together on Zoom on, and pray the rosary together. So we started that April 22nd and we started it at six o'clock in the morning. And there's a group of us that about... I don't know, 20, 25 of us. So there's 15 this morning that showed up. So we've been doing it about 11 months now. And I'm wow. so surprised that it's been going on. But it's a great way for us to start our day just to kind of, you know, and starting it with gratitude. So yep. being thankful for everything that we have. I mean, listen, you and I are born in a very first world area. Um, yep. We have all these great things. We have our ancestors dug these huge wells for us to drink the water from and all these great things. And, you know, being from a big family like yourself, you know, we were grateful. We had great parents that were, that were open to life and brought us, brought us here. And then we have all these siblings and all these friends, et cetera. So the starting with gratitude right at the beginning of the day, I think is a huge thing. So you did, it sounds like you did the same type of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you go. Uh, well, first off, jumping back to what you had said about take care of the 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 uh, yourself first, or take you know, you, you got to start internally. I guess there's the old story about the um the man who was on an evening trying to read his um his paper, and his little boy kept bothering him and say, "Daddy, play with me" or whatever. So he goes, "Okay." So he took a, an ad um that had a picture of the globe on there, and he ripped it up, and he says, "Okay, put this together." And then, you know, he thought, okay, great. I'm going to, I'll get a few minutes and whatever. And the kid was done like that. And he goes, son, how did you do that so quick? He says, well, dad, on the other side was a picture of a man. When I put the man together first, the world came, came together and, and automatically. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, you, you can, in order to uh, give, you got to first be ready to handle something like that. So, yeah, if, if you're going to be a negative Nelly, grouchy, you know, look, this, this thing hit everybody hard. I, I get it. Um, but you got to take care of yourself. And then from there, you know, in a good way. And then from there, you could go ahead and give. By, by the way, one of the best ways to, to take care of yourself is giving. You know, um, I was fortunate um, early on that they reopened up the, the food pantry. In fact, I was there last night. Unfortunately, business is booming. But by giving, you receive so much more. I, I miss helping out the folks over at the Hesed House in Aurora, if you know them. 
Um, but yeah, you want to go and see the people that have hit rock bottom that these people are living in a converted garbage incinerator. Um, quick, quick story the, a guy out there, he was, um, secret service guy, you know, one of the clients out there, he went from having uh, bill Clinton, making him a sandwich in the middle of the night in the kitchen to sleep in, in a homeless shelter, dude, what happened? Well, what happened was he got injured on a job, got addicted to the painkillers, lost the job lost the marriage, lost the house all within a year. So that could happen to you and I, pal, really quick. So yeah, you, that's one of the, the key things that I've always learned, especially now in the pandemic. When, you, when I talk with these different clients, I don't know what their story is, but they got a good story. They have a reason why they're at. And, and treat them with kindness. You know, if nothing else, you, you, you could be in that position. Because right now, when I network looking for a new job, it's an astonishing. 80 to 85% of the people reach back and they know darn well, and they've been very helpful, you know, during this rough time for me and, and a lot of other people. And they know darn well they could be in that position in a heartbeat. But they're really, again, very giving and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, be grateful because you don't know tomorrow what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer. Um, of course, my mom drilled this into me as well as all my, you know, my schooling that I went to, the nuns that taught me in grade school. And then, you know, um, that everything that I have is a gift. I mean, it's, and that's kind of the, the, the mindset I think is, is, is to start with is that again, gratitude, everything's a gift. And then, um, so, but the, you know, as, as uh, you know, St. Peter always said, you know, to those that much has been given much is expected. Yep. So if you're sitting back, accepting your gifts and sitting back doing nothing, that's not really the great move. So, so, but, but even, I want to kind of hear your story. It's March 18th. You've, you've created your list. Yep. Give me yep. some stats. Give me some stats of the last year. Um, I, I just got a taste of this in our earlier conversation, but I wanted to find out some stats from you about how some things have gone personally for you. Oh man. Wow. You, you must be in statistics, pal. Um, all right, so uh, you ready? Yeah. All right, since, since uh, and, and I got them right in front of me here. So since 7.35 on the 18th of March, 2020, I've interviewed now with 48 different companies. I've had 141 individual interviews, all right? I've engaged with 24 recruiters. Uh, at my former employer, I've connected with 83 out of 99 people. Outside of that former employer, 98 out of 117 contacts. So about 182 people. 500 plus phone conversations and other stuff uh, that resulted in six verbal job offers that all had to be rescinded because of COVID. Okay. I've had about three written job offers that just weren't good fits that I, you know, just, they were mainly, you know, taking advantage of me. I've come in second place, probably at least seven or eight times. So with all that going on, um, I've walked uh, 3,384.6 miles from March 1st to February 28th, you know, last year into this year. I've swam 130 plus miles. I've lost 22 pounds, but my favorite stat, sir, is I've visited 123 microbrews so far and counting. <laughs> so, so you've walked basically across the United States. And, and somewhat, yeah, yeah, from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon, yep. And so what's that average a day? Uh, well, it, it was like, um, I, I know like the highest was um, 13.6 uh, uh, miles per day, uh, every day for the 31 days of December. 
Um, and then in February, because of everything going on, uh, 2.5. But it usually it, it comes out to uh, actually I have it I have it here too. <laughs> um, that came out to 9.27 miles per day, roughly, and that's just based upon carrying a stupid little iPhone. So it's probably more than that, but that gives you a rough idea. Wow. And then so um, when you're walking like that, um, what are you doing? What are you, what are you thinking about? Um, great question. Um, I have, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys got this. I, I have over a week's worth of music on here. Uh, with the network has gotten so good, I have access to thousands of podcasts. You know what I listen to for the most part, Joe? I listen to the birds. I listen to nothing. I just, because of the pandemic, because it slammed everybody, you know, and I, I, I can't, I can handle a lot of my own. I can't handle all the people suffering, whatever. I don't listen to anything. And it's great, especially if you can get out of the city. And, and, the, and a lot of this stuff is now being um, validated by a lot of different articles. They talk about, look, get, turn off the darn Zoom. Sorry, Joe, got to go. <laughs> turn off the Zoom, but get your butt not just out there, but get it out in nature. They don't know exactly why, but being out in nature. I know you like to go running over and take the dog out to Green Valley and stuff like that. Do it. Do it. Even yeah. like when I get done after a hard, crazy day. Uh, I think I mentioned with you, I've had like 13 or 14 interviews with it a week, man. But, but by the end of the day, you're literally like this. I, I go running out and or just walk. I don't run. I just go off a walk in the local woods here. And it's amazing within a half an hour, 20 minutes, even boy, you just, you're just back. And it, you got to process all this stuff. Human mind, dude, I, we're very complex. Um, you've got to get good sleep, right? And now it's being, they don't know why we need humans in animals as a whole need sleep, but it's very important. It processes all this stuff. So, yeah. So again, going back to taking care of yourself. Well, I mean, if you're walking about 10 miles a day, sleep should come pretty easy at night, shouldn't it? It should, but sometimes it hasn't. I, I don't know about you or, or other people, but since the pandemic hit, man, I don't, I, they're not necessarily nightmares, but I had the dark dreams, you know, just, you know, again, with it's, the human mind's very complex as you process everything that's going on. And, and of course, you know, you, you, I pay attention to the news, uh, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, Chicago Tribune, and, and, but some of all the dark, crazy stuff going on, the, you know, the riots here in Chicago, the storming of the Capitol. I glance at that and then at night, you know, your brain processes. And so, yeah, but yeah, sometimes sleeping is good. Sometimes, you know, not so good. Really? So, um, yeah, one of the things that, uh, that you said was the, the micro brew, which I thought was a pretty good 133, you said? 123. 123. So give, give us some examples of some pretty good micro breweries that you went to. I know it's hard. <laughs> no, it's hard. Uh, no, no not, not hard. It's like, okay, Joe, you, you tell me what, what's some of your favorite restaurants in, in town, especially like in the Western suburbs. I mean, geez, I, I need Argentinian food. Okay, you want Northern or Southern Argentinian food? I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of great people out there, but it, it's not just the beer itself. And, and we could, that's a whole nother podcast, but the people. And again, very safe because you're outside or whatever. I can give you an example. Misotonic Brewery in um, Darien. Uh, I'm outside, you know, just by myself. You know, I've got, got a little heater there. Of course, you know, it's been a little chilly lately. And enjoying. The, and I heard these guys in the picnic table a couple of down. And he goes, well, yeah, my Dr. Old Thesis was one of the day. And I finally said, look, I don't want to bother you guys. Well, who are you? Well, we're all nuclear scientists from Argonne Labs. And just then the, the space station comes flying over. And then they started talking about the. So you can have great conversations that way. So, again, a lot of hu that human connection, because one of the key things 
and, and I know we were talking about how people can get isolated in this, particularly the teenagers, get your butt out there and still get that human. I know, you know, Zoom, great. I tell you what, in technology, what we did the first time we got a new laptop, pal, out came the duct tape right over that camera. We're not a big fan of this stuff, but you know, now we got to use it and it's not going away anytime soon. Get out there and safely engage with other humans that were designed that way. I'm sorry. No, I get it. I, 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 I totally believe that. I, um, when they first closed the churches for 2000 years, that drove me absolutely crazy. And I, I'm um, still kind of, you know, uh, disappointed, I guess you'd say that they would do that. Um, but uh, that's for another, another day as well. Um, so let's talk, I want to talk to you about um, you. So you're, you're looking for that perfect job. I know that's not out there. I mean, it's not, but, but there's a, you know, a job that fits with you. Tell me what your difference, I mean, what, what, what's the difference maker for you that you can provide an IT company as opposed to other people? Well, well the key thing is um, my ability to develop strong, trusting, long-term relationships, that trust, you know, opening that door, you know, the hunter, Okay. And, and you're right. I'm slightly biased, but no new net logos. Guess what? After a while, no company because, you know, customers through attrition just leave or whatever, but, but getting in there and uh, getting that, that conversation started first and foremost, and then bringing in uh, my people, my, you know, my folks, my team, and then kind of figure out where we can help you start small typically, and then kind of grow it from there. Okay. And so, and you have a track record of doing that? Absolutely. Over the last 38 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so do you, do you enjoy what you do? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a lot of fun. Some days a lot more fun than others. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> when you put in a lot of work and they decide to go a different route or what's worse is they decide not to decide and they left you, left you in limbo. But for the most part, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have literally traveled from I think the furthest east I've gone is Helsinki. Furthest south is Columbia, South America. And the furthest... Um, West or East, whatever would be uh, Melbourne, Australia, and all points North and South in between. And I've met a lot of cool people. I've seen a lot of fascinating things. And uh, yeah, the pay hasn't been bad either. Well, good for you. And then, um, so one of the things that, that I think is, you know, uh, it's nothing new, but, you know, uh, folks over 45, they're really, really good at what they do, almost too good. And companies get greedy and, you know, say a guy is making, you know, basically just on commissions, you know, uh, high commissions and making, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year. And they see that all the great success. But then they start thinking, oh, a 22 year old could do that. I only have to pay him 50 or 60. It, what do you how do you respond to that? Hire him. You know, look, I, I can't, there, there's two, what I've seen, at least I, can, I can't speak for all, for all industries, but I know in IT, there's two different flavors, basically. You get the 20, 30 somethings, either just out of college or, you know, uh, green behind the years. Um, and, and absolutely, you could bring them in. Uh, got a lot of energy, got a lot of positive traits, very energetic, coming up with new ideas. Um, you know, typically they're hard workers, you know, uh, and so forth. And then you've got the seasoned veterans like me. You know, what little hair I have left, it's great or whatever, but I got decades of proven wisdom, of knowledge, of things that work, and almost more importantly, the things that don't work. Kids don't try this. So it was worked out great in my previous employer. We had a nice mix of both, and we would cross-pollinate each other and help each other out. 
and so that that's that's the way the way it is but again if the, yeah unfortunately as in the, jumping back for a second the wall street journal had a job summit last week uh started kicked off by jerome powell you know chairman of the fed and then they had a lot of good breakout sessions and believe it or not this this thing called ageism came up big time you know for not only for for myself you know people older but also the other extreme when i first started um mike we only hire people with experience well how can i get experience if you don't hire me good luck i'm like oh the old catch 22 so so yeah ageism is definitely out there and, and that's a, another you know whole session but yeah yeah you can absolutely address that head on and if they don't want to hire you joe you don't want to work for them no right so so i'm say, say i'm uh, i'm big company it guy and I'm, I want to grow my market. I, I mean, listen, I'm a capitalist. I want, I want to dominate the market. And um, so I'm, I'm paying you 500K and you're kicking ass. Okay. You are opening up new markets. You're, you're going to these companies. You're knocking on doors that I never would have dreamed of knocking on. And you're, you're opening the door. And, um, but I like paying 80 grand. I don't like paying 500 grand. Why should I keep you? Well, that's a great, great, great question. You know, in, in part of the um, things I've seen with um, not fortunately, not many, but some colleagues, once, once they hit this, they hit what's called the cruise control. And, and, you know, jumping back to my bicycle, the only time I ever cruise is going down the hill, you know, down a mountain. And if you're not in, take careful, you're going to go off the mountain and then that's not going to end well for anybody. So yeah, first off, whether you're in sales or, or anything, you want to make sure that you document all your, your successes and keep the metrics, the dollar amounts, how much you've made the company and or how much you saved the company. Do that once a quarter. So you keep track of all that to justify your existence. So that's first and foremost, do all that. Make sure you stay in contact with the superiors on a regular basis, not just an annual review or quarterly review or whatever. Hey, look at all the cool things I'm doing. Again, does it need to be a big, long doctoral thesis? No, no, short, sweet, couple bullet points and, and so forth. And then Joe, at the end of the day, if they want to get rid of you, like in my case, you know, it was, I, I understand it, my list main was on a list in January, you know, some out, big outside consulting firm came in and just looked at the numbers. And there was no way that my boss or his boss or his boss's boss, it was out of their control. They're going to put a bullet in you and they're just like, okay, then you move on. I don't like it. Don't get me wrong. I think it was dumb. A lot of people thought it was dumb, but you know, they're not the ones who make the decisions and you know, that one door opens and then the door opens or uh, one door closes and the door opens. I guess, so I guess, you know, as, as, a, as a trial lawyer, you know, making my case. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it would seem to me. So the way that I look at companies and employees of companies um, is that um, as the employee, you know, they got to need you more than you need them. Right. That's kind of always the, the rut I tell folks is, I, you know, I say, listen, always be that person that they need you more than you need them. Because so yep. you can always go out and get something else and do, you know, start your own thing. I mean, this is America. You start your own company if you want to and run it the way you want to run it. Um, yep. But, but uh, you know, um, in your situation, if I'm big tech company and I got you still knocking on doors and you're still, you know, doing a great job, why wouldn't I want you around to educate all the young guys to do the same thing? I, I, to me, it's more like, <laughs> I, I, I like, I like, you know, 
addition by addition. I don't like, you know, subtracting the, you know, the, the it's like, to me, it's like getting rid of Michael Jordan and thinking that all these rookies are going to win. It just doesn't work. Uh, Joe, you, you kind of answered your own question. Now, you know, where I walked 3,384.4 miles. I don't know, Joe. I don't know the answer to that. I know that for every dollar they, they spent on, on me, either through, you know, uh, salary or benefits, commission, whatever, I returned at least two to three on, on average over the last six and a half years. But again, I'm, I'm not that smart, I guess. Uh, and you could just take, take my story and rinse and repeat that. Uh, is there biases? Is there ageism? Of course there's out there. Sure, um, sure. Let's move on beyond that, though. We, we, we've yeah. tackled that. We've tackled it. We, we, you know, a lot of people don't even talk about it. I, I wanted to talk about that. So, so now that's out. I mean, it's out in the open. The elephant's there. The ageism. Okay, fine. Okay, great. People are living a lot longer. And they're productive a lot longer. Um, yep. And so... I think we got to figure out as an economy how to use everybody the pro- proper way. So um, tell me for you, what's, what's the dream situation right now? Well, the dream, that's a great question. I mean, and, and everyone has to ask themselves that question and only you can answer it. You look in the mirror. What do I want to be when I grow up? You know, interesting, Joe, you know, we had a uh, alumni gathering. It'll be a, a year ago last uh, Christmas you know, zoo on lights there for Lincoln Park. And there were a couple of young 20 somethings. And one of them was really bummed out. And I go, Hey, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. I hate my job. Okay. Um, and I asked him, I says, all right, well, what do you want? You know, do, do you have any advice for me, bro? And I go, okay, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. And I said, I can't help you. What? I cannot help you until you can tell me what you want to do. So that's first and foremost, you have to figure that out first. And then from there, but right now, Joe, I want to go back to what I was doing. Dude, I was having so much fun. I can't tell you how many sporting events, how many concerts, all the traveling and all that other stuff. So I know what I want to do. Um, and I know what I want to do for at least the next five years. Uh, and along those lines, when, when that time finally hangs up, then now I can start giving back. In fact, you know, I, I give back regardless, you know, helping out the food pantry. But a lot of the career people, they reach out to me. Hey, Mike, you've been... This is, uh, you know, you got a lot of experience doing this. Can you help me out? Of course, I could help you out. So yeah, yeah. So you got to know where you, where you, what you're gonna do uh, this morning, and then where you're gonna be five years from now, and so forth. So I always like that the question. Uh, look, Joe, if if we run into each other five years from now, what exciting things are you gonna tell me that you've done both in your career and in your uh, personal life? Right. No, I agree with you. Yeah. So that, to, so for for me, I I. I sat down and asked that question. I, I had two kids uh, that under two years old. I, we had Claire, my daughter Claire was just born. And I decided uh, that I was going to open up my own law firm, uh, Plants Law Firm. I was a defense attorney. I represented big companies and insurance companies, that type of thing. But, but I was, I had in my mind, I was going to do my own thing. And so um, we did it. And I remember it was pretty tough sledding for the first couple of years. And uh but I wanted to control my own destiny. I didn't, I didn't want to, to be in a situation where, um, um, you know, I, I guess it was kind of the same type of thing I had in sports. You know, I was uh, played team sports for a long time. Um, basketball. I love basketball. I, I was going to be in the NBA, by the way, uh, Mike, I was, you know, <laughs> I was all set. I was going to be, you know, just the next, you know, Oscar Robertson, you know, uh, other than the fact that I couldn't jump as high, shoot as well, rebound as well, or pass as well. Yeah. And, you know, it just wasn't good. 
I mean, that, those are all were just kind of things that, that were kind of hurdles that I didn't really want to jump. But anyway, so I got into running and then I, I learned more of a, uh, hey, it's all on you type of thing. And if if you don't win the race, you can't blame anybody else. And, uh, you know, there's no no coaching decision to sit on the bench. I had a lot of that in my freshman, sophomore year in high school. I'd be, I would just be bummed. I go, why didn't you put me in coach? Don't you know how good I am? Obviously he knew how good I was, but watching me practice all the time and jacking threes and, you know, and, you know, basically not passing and being a selfish player. But uh, in my mind, I was, I was the next guy. So that's the kind of, I, you know, that's that kind of question you ask yourself, what do you want to be? I kind of figured that out. Um, but the number one thing that with driver for me was, um, I wanted to be, uh, have a good family life. I wanted to, you know, have that family time. And if I own my own company, um, I know at first it's the all time consuming first five years. It's like building something, building something, because you're going to find out whether your company survives or not within the first five years. Um, after five years, if you get a reputation and you become good at what you do, then, then you should be okay. I mean, you've always got to rebuild. You got to you got to get better and better and better. Obviously, all the time, like you talked about. But I wanted to have that family life that you, I could control. And so, six kids later, uh, you know, I'm, that's one thing that that you know, my wife always wants us home for dinner because uh, you know we're in, now there's a smaller group around the dinner table. There's only four of us typically, unless my daughter Emma comes home. But um, but we have four of us around the dinner table and every night we're figuring things out, but that's what, what I wanted to be. And I think my career matched up, but so, so what, tell me what's going on next. What do you, so it's early March here. What's going to happen in 2021, buddy? Well, I, I'm cautiously optimistic based upon and uh, well, what the president talked about last night. All right. That was extremely promising, you know, getting the, again, uh, going back to uh, Powell, the, uh, Fed chairman, we got to knock this pandemic down. And uh, I got my first poke a couple of weeks ago, get my second in a couple of weeks because I help out at the food pantry. You can rinse and repeat that with a lot. They say right now, approximately a third of the Americans have either had the vaccine or had the virus itself. So that so-called herd immunity is definitely getting up there. So the economy, I think, is rocking and rolling. Cautiously optimistic that within springtime by summer, I'm going to land, you know, the, the, the good job. And then we finally can get back out there. Cubs, socks, you can, you know, start getting those tickets. Um, I, I think, uh, look out, I think the, the restaurants, the concerts, all that other stuff's going to open up and do, do, do people are just going to come flooding out. It's like Chicago after a long winter, which we've had, uh, a long winter on steroids. So yeah, yeah. We're very cautiously optimistic. I'm going to keep, you know, luck, taking the lessons I learned from this pandemic and moving forward, staying in touch, never treat every day, you know, treat every day like it's precious and short. Like you said, it, it's a gift. Every single day, there's, Joe, there's no guarantee that you, you're going to be here by five o'clock, you know, but make sure you cherish your loved ones. You know, you, you don't know. Tomorrow could be the X, uh, could be it or whatever. And just have faith that this too shall pass. You know, again, was this something that pandemic we wanted? No, no, but you know, we got, we got through it. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Good. How about you get another dog? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic. I think, you know, I got, I got to get another job, pal. I'm driving my wife nuts. You know, I've been hanging out in the basement here like forever, and I got too much more stuff I want to do. I don't know if you could see right here. Um, that's my Game 7 World Series ticket with the Cubs. 
So uh, we, my wife and I, we call it Cleveland money. So the next time something that comes up, I want to have Cleveland money that I could spend, you know, to buy the most expensive ticket I ever bought it, by the way. Um, I want to be able to do that. My, my parents, when they finally got rid of all those stupid, they're like 12 kids, wouldn't travel the globe. They visited all seven continents, including on a Russian trawler back in the mid 80s to Antarctica. Really? I mean, that's what I want to do, you know. Um, but, that sounds yeah. good. No, I, I asked you, then ask whether you get a job. I'm going to ask whether you get another dog. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Another dog. Nah, no, no. I'm going to do like my older sister up in Minnesota. I'm going to go volunteer at a local shelter <laughs> and get, get the benefit of it without. Nah, nah. We have, a, we have our pet squirrels and, and we have our pet gerbil, though. Unfortunately, a fox yesterday came and ate one of the, my wife's favorite gerbil, but that's another story. <laughs> right. Great. Well, listen. Um, my, my best thoughts go out to you and Diane and the kids. And um, I, just to close it, you know, Mike talked about, um, you know, helping out and reaching out to people. He's a very humble guy. Um, you know, I get a lot of calls um, from people that, or I just find out that they've, um, they've lost their job or looking for a new job. And one of my first calls is to one of my role models, Mike Sloick, because he's got such a great, you know, framework of how to handle these things. And, um, you know, he's had, you know, really unbelievably great jobs, uh, you know, uh, where he's done really, really well. And it's fun to watch. I mean, I have another uh, client of mine who was a CEO of a couple of public traded companies. And he'd call me every now and then saying that he got let go. Uh, and, and I'd say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I feel, I feel, and he'd be so happy. He'd be like, are you kidding me? This is the best ever. I, you know, I've got the severance. I'm going to, I've already gotten three calls for a new job. I'm, you know, it's all, and the way people handle things is so different compared to who you talk to and how they're raised and their upbringing and, you know, all these other things. So a guy that can get on a bike and ride his bike to college 2000 miles away is absolutely great. You know, that's crazy upbringing for how to deal with the resilience. So listen, I've really enjoyed our time today, Michael. I hope yeah, we're going to do some more in the future because we're going to have some fun through this. And a couple things, reasons. Number one, I think it's going to be helpful for people to see how to respond to, you know, these ups and downs. But number two, I think it's going to be good for, you know, your grandkids. Or, you know, we, we, we've, we've got this, you know, recorded. So hopefully they'll be able to dig this up someday and say, hey, that's my granddaddy. Yeah, yeah. Do it, you know, I don't know if it could be, like, like I said, my dad's a mechanical engineer. I wrote down lessons of the pandemic, two pages so far. And oh, I'm my gosh. And so forth. So I'm going to leave you with this. You mentioned the five years. and You mentioned microbrews. Go over to Greenbush Microbrew in Sawyer, Michigan. They have a beer called 1826. I don't know if you're familiar with Michigan, especially Southwest. A lot of history there. You know, first the Spanish and so forth. They go, okay, well, what happened in this area in 1826? It goes, it's got nothing to do with, you know, the year. It's got to do that's 1,826 days. We survived five years uh, as a business. And we know at that point, we're going to make it. So they brewed a special beer. So there you go, Joe. I like it. I like it. Well, listen, thanks, Michael. And will you, do, will you join us again someday? Of course. That sounds let's good. Do buddy. A, let's do it in a microbrew next time. No, we're going to do a microbrew or we're going to do it in person, hopefully, soon. You got it. All right, take care, Joe. All right, buddy, take care. I hope you enjoyed uh, our uh, talk today with Mike Slowick. 
we're going to try and do more of those where we find folks that um, are extraordinary in handling these extraordinary times. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, and I, sh- I know I did. And I look forward to our next podcast. And we'll see you around. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.